So this week, I'm going to teach on something known as waiting or to wait in the weight of his glory. Many times we are in a waiting process and the waiting process just really stinks. It's really hard. And so the worship team, you can actually give yourselves a break. I, can, I mean, I'm for it, but I'm just looking at you guys. Now, actually, I feel like I preach a lot better when there is music. That's my own personal opinion. When there is music. All right, man. Hallelujah. You're getting all Pentecostal in here, finally. So waiting in the weight of his glory. And so what we have here is um, waiting, right? So we have, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That's uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 9. And so what we have here is waiting, right? The disciples themselves have to wait in Jerusalem to receive the presence of God, to receive the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And uh, look, waiting is the hardest part of life. Um, When we are waiting, we're waiting for the Lord to move in your life or in a situation. And actually, Mario, maybe you can step down in your direction. Yeah, you're right. I'm getting like too deep too quick. So waiting. Waiting is the hardest part of life. And there might be actually a song like that. I mean like, when I mean a song, it's like a, a secular song. But whatever the case may be. You know, to wait is the hardest part of life. To wait for the Lord to move into your life and into a situation. And here, the resurrected Messiah is going to his closest disciples and saying, after everything you've seen, after everything you've experienced, after watching me be crucified and be buried and be raised again, I'm now asking you, you have to wait and wait and wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so why is he doing this? I believe that he's really doing this because of this notion of a teaching aspect. That teaching aspect is that we need to learn to wait in the weight of his glory. Now, there's a little bit of a wordplay and pun there, but what we mean by the weight of his glory is the scriptural understanding of the kavod. The kavod is the actual heaviness or the presence of God. So I believe that one of the reasons why you and I may be waiting for something is because the Lord is trying to teach us that to wait in the presence or the weight or the heaviness of his glory. Uh, And that is a really difficult lesson to learn. But I believe that the mystery of this waiting process is really unlocked uh, by the setting uh, and the context of what the disciples are dealing with. And Josh, if you're okay, we're going to get going in a little bit. Um, The setting to when the disciples are waiting in Jerusalem is a holiday. The holiday in Hebrew is called Siferet HaOmer. And uh, in Leviticus chapter 3, it says this, And you shall come up for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, even Sabbath shall be completed. Count 50 days the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. 
Now, what we have here is this. This is in, uh, in Jewish thinking, and not just Jewish thinking, but the actual Bible, the Word of God, is a holiday called counting the Omer. The Omer is actually a unit of measurement. So to try to explain this, because this, you have to understand, is the context of waiting. This is the context, and this is why Yeshua, Jesus says to his disciples, you are to wait for 50, they don't know it's going to be 50 days. But you are to wait until Pentecost, which is actually a Hebrew festival, Shavuot, a harvest festival. You are to wait until the Holy Spirit descends upon you, and that's when we call it Pentecost. Pentecost means seven weeks. Seven times seven is 49, plus the one day is 50. It's 50 days from Passover to Pentecost, and those 50 days are an annoying, difficult festival known as Seferet HaOmer. The counting of the units of measurement of the coming of the harvest. This is why disciples have to sit there and wait. Because God does things, it says in Scripture, in His Moadim, in His appointed times. His calendar and the way in which He does things are so much different than the way that we do things. And if you are struggling with a waiting concept, I am telling you, you have to plug into the mystery of yet another biblical feast that no one talks about. That surely the disciples knew. Because every able-bodied Hebrew or Israelite, Israelite, Israeli today, Jewish believer today, is to perform the festival of the counting of the Omer. The counting of the coming of the harvest. So how does it work here? This is the way it works, right? The disciples saw the Passover. They saw the resurrection. They saw the Passover lamb Slain. And then there is the coming of Pentecost or Shavuot when in the scripture it says the Holy Spirit will fall with tongues of fire in Acts chapter 1. And we'll be celebrating that in about 42 days or something like that. We're about 8 days into this weird festival that no one really talks about called the counting of the Omar. A 50-day celebration where the Lord has said that when the harvest is becoming ripened, not ripe, but when it's getting each day a little bit more ripe and a little bit more ready and a little bit more ready and a little bit more ready, you are to give an offering unto me. Does that make some sense? Because for many of you, or almost all of you, all of you minus four of us, This is probably the first time you've ever heard of this holiday. So in between Passover and Pentecost, there's 50 days of waiting. This is the context where the disciples are sitting there waiting for the Holy Ghost to fall. So many of us are in a waiting process, right? Who here you're waiting for something? Okay. Many of us are in the waiting processes, and here is the the spiritual symbolic kind of end aside to all of this. Uh, What we have here is, you have seen, I know everyone in this room, you have seen the death and resurrection of Jesus. You have received the Pesach, the Passover lamb in your life. Right? The Passover is something that has been done. And Pentecost is essentially, in a figurative way, something that he's about to do. He's going to fall. The Holy Ghost is going to fall into your situation. But to get to that place, you have to wait. You have to wait. It's known as the counting of the Omar. 
So here's the way it works, right? The counting of the Omar is this harvest festival. So we plant and we sow physically into the soil, but also into situations. And you plant and you sow, and then eventually you will reap, right? As the scriptures say. But what happens here is the Lord has built into his, his concept of his calendar and, and spiritually in the way that in which he does things is he's saying unto us, you have planted and you have sowed and you're waiting to reap. But now we have this festival where you have to wait. But every single day when the Israelites and Jewish people today are performing this celebration, every single day in the waiting, they offer up a praise. They offer up a thanksgiving unto the Lord. Why? Because they see each day that wheat, that barley of the first fruits. They see each day it get just a little bit more ripe. Just a little bit more. A little bit more. And a little bit more. So this is a really annoying feast. It's a feast where you are forced to sit there. In fact, you are mandated to sit there and watch the harvest slowly ripen and trust that process. And glory in that process. And give God the glory for the process and not just the resolution of Pentecost. He wants you to praise Him. In the process of the ripening of the harvest. And this is the context of the disciples sitting there in the upper room. Praying and praying and praying. And God is up there. He's like, see, I love it. I love it when my people glory. Not in just the resolution. And not just in the beginning. But in the process. Amen? That is God. And that is the context of the disciples waiting for the breath of God. This is the context for the disciples to wait or to tarry for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this is also the context for you and what you're waiting for. Not yet, guys. You can just go back. I'm sorry. I gave you a finger gesture. I was pointing to you, Josh, because you've been talking about tarrying a lot lately. Don't worry, man. My, that was my bed. So this is the context for many of us right now. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're seeing things in our life. We're seeing little glimmers of the change. Right, you're holding on for finances. You're hoping for a family member to, to return to the Lord or to come to the Lord. You're waiting for a new job. And so, you know, we, our minds are so set on the end goal that you don't see the beauty of people calling you for interviews. Or you don't see the Lord, like, providing miraculously for your Bills, or you don't necessarily stop and reflect and be like, oh man, my family member just said something. It looks like actually the Lord is working in their heart. I'm going to glory in that. Right? We're sitting so much on the end goal, we forget about the process. But this festival, this weird festival that very few people talk about, is all about waiting in the glory, waiting in His provision. Now, why is this? Because you cannot reap with a purpose without reflecting on his daily provision and waiting in the weight of his glory. If you want to reap with the purpose of the Spirit, you need to reflect on what he is doing. So the festival of Passover is what he has already done. The festival of Pentecost, which is coming, is what he will do. But the counting of the Omar is the expectation. 
allowing the expectation to rise up inside of your heart and is reflecting each day like, Lord, today we've moved one little step into the direction of the ripening of the harvest that I'm waiting for. And I'm going to worship you and I'm going to glory in your presence and I'm going to be transformed during this process. We just don't like the process, but the Lord likes taking his time. For 2,000 years, the Jewish people weren't even back in their land and he brought them back, right? The Lord likes to wait because when we are waiting, it forces us to engage his glory. Why? Why? And Ramon, if you can go back with that mic, you you got it? Cool. Just get yourself queued up. Why is this? Um, if you could switch the image. The reason why this is, this waiting process, um, is because you are supposed to be a desert people. Nope. You are supposed to be a desert people. The holiday of Passover and the resurrection, which we just taught on not too long ago. The Hebrew people were living in the cities of Pharaoh. They were living in the cities of Egypt. But because of the Passover celebration, they have now been brought to the desert place. The holiday of waiting, the holiday of the counting of the Omar, is actually taking place in this desert place. As many of you know, the time of waiting is likened unto a desert place. I don't hear you, Lord. There's no abundance. It seems that things physically and spiritually are in fact barren. But you see, that is the purpose of this holiday. You see, the Hebrews needed to learn that they are a desert people. They just spent 400 years in the cities of Pharaoh. But the Lord is saying, I need to teach you to be a desert people. The disciples needed to learn this when they're sitting there waiting in the barrenness of without the coming of the Holy Ghost. And we all need to learn this. Because to be a desert people is to be a people that are fully reliant, fully, completely, 110% reliant on the presence of God. There's no grocery store for 400 years for the, I'm sorry, for the 40 years that the Hebrews are going through the wilderness. Their provision comes from the manna from heaven and the quails that come in the morning. There's no grocery store. There's no army. There's no electricity. There's no water. There is nothing but 110% reliance upon God. It's in this place of the desert where our eyes are set on God. We look to Him for our comfort. We look to Him for our provision. We are completely, completely, completely reliant on Him. If you can play the 
the wind, please. I don't want this to be necessarily theatrical, but there is a power in creating a setting. Forty years of hearing this sound. The wind. The desert. Food hopefully coming in the morning. But it's always there. He's always providing. Wandering around in the desert. No cities to build. Children being bored. Old men and old women dying. Life continuing. There's murmuring. We should have went back to Egypt. There they had fresh vegetables. There they had things. Yes, we were slaves, but at least we had a place to lay our head. In our lives, often feel like this. The barrenness. But then, a little boy picks up his drum. And his father picks up the oud, which is pretty much the oldest guitar we're aware of. And he starts playing the strings. Then a woman picks up the kamancha, which is more or less a violin, the earliest kind of violin that we have, and she starts to play. Just make sure the volume's not too loud, but if we could play that track. You just lower it a little bit. They're playing and they're playing. In the midst of this kind of wind, they're ushering in essentially a praise. And then Rahman, someone decides to stand up and to sing the song of Moses. And so if you can sing or read the song of Moses, please. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a storm. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger and consumed them like struggle. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters filled up, piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters could go in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils. 
I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like leaves in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretch out your hand, your right hand, and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of, of Adam will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Cain will melt away. Amen. The Song of Moses found in Exodus chapter 15. Let me reread just the one section. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them, the Egyptians, and in your mercy you have led forth the people whom you have redeemed to your holy habitation. And this is going on when these people are playing, you know, in the, in the midst of the winds of life, in the midst of the difficulties. And then what happens here is the last verse of the Song of Moses is the Lord shall reign forever and ever. I, I picture this being out in the wilderness and people start playing and the song of Moses is read, a declaration of what the Lord has done. And I picture them doing this and the song of Moses and all this. And I can just see a little child going to his mother saying, Mother, look. Mother, look. Mother goes to father. Father goes to grandfather. The whole nation of Israel look up and it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night, he did not take away the pillar of cloud. He didn't take it away from before the people. The presence of God the fire of God, the cloud of God is in the desert place. When they go to Canaan, the fire and the cloud physically is gone. But it's in that desert place where it's there. If we have the worship team, come on up, please. You and Israel are supposed to be a desert people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob were all desert dwellers. As I said earlier, the Israelites lived in the cities of Pharaoh. But the Lord is going to take the people of Israel and he's going to say to you in Egypt, I am delivering you from Egypt, but before I bring you into the promised land, you need to learn the lessons of the desert. You have been 400 years out of the desert. You're a desert people, but you have forgotten the way. Now why? Because Israel is to the left, and Israel is green. 
Green is the place of abundance. Place of fertility. On the eastern side or the right side of the map, the southern part, it is completely, completely barren. This is where the the patriarchs of Israel come from, from the desert, camel dwellers. And now he's going to bring them into the fertile crescent. And if you actually look, here's the arrow. Right there is the dividing mark. In Israel, in actually Jerusalem is the dividing mark. You can see where it becomes fertile and where it becomes dead. That mountain right there that that arrow is pointing to is called Mount Scopus. Because you can see out real far. And what's really interesting is if you look east at this point, literally, if you look east, all you see is the green, lush area of the Fertile Crescent. And if you literally go like this, you can see the lowest place on earth in the horizon, the Dead Sea. Actually, the waters will come, the rain will come, and it will stop at that mountain. As if the Lord has just said no. It will snow, it will rain on Mount Scopus, and on the west bank of that it will be raining. And on the east bank it will be dry as dry can be. It is the dividing line between a desert people and an agricultural people. You see, the fertile crescent of your life, symbolically, is the place of abundance. But the Lord needs to remind you of being a desert people because he's saying unto you, when I bring you into the place of abundance, will you forget me? Will you forget me? Yes. I do. When I get a paycheck, I don't cry out to the Lord and give him thanks for my paycheck. But when you're a desert people, you have to. So he's taking your time in the desert place because he's saying, I don't want you to forget where your abundance and your provision is coming from. Because in the desert, you can't forget him because there is a pillar of fire and a cloud. Why are you waiting? Why did Israel have to go 40 years? Because he's about to take the people out of the desert, but he cannot allow the desert to be taken out from the people. I'm bringing you into a place of abundance, the Lord says. Everything that you were holding out for and asking for, but he's saying when you get there, you cannot remove the desert from your soul. That time of looking to me and relying on me and crying out to me and worshiping me in my presence when you needed me. So we wait. We wait. But when we wait, we count the Omar. We look at the ripening of the harvest. You see, the disciples waited in the Holy Spirit. And why? Why? Because once the Holy Spirit falls upon them, they are going to go unto the nations. They're going to preach the good news of Messiah before kings and queens and emperors. If they're going to be doing that, you better believe they better remember the time of reliance upon him. Correct? Can you imagine? The church, us, I'm telling you, the people will be coming to this place. 
I'm telling you, the money will be coming into this place. The provision will be coming into this place. But when it does, we have to remember that we are a desert people. And we need to remember the days like this when there's 30, 40 people here. And it's a leaking roof. And we cry out to them and we say, the only thing we ask is to behold your beauty and to understand your presence, Lord. But when the money comes... And the provision come. And the people come. I am telling you, there will be so many distractions for us to go this way. And for us to go that way. And to do this thing. And to do this thing. Where the Lord is going to say to you, remember Bristol. The time of provision, reliance in the desert where you called upon the fire of God. That's good. And that's why we have to wait. That's why we have to wait. But it's okay because we wait in the wind. The wind, the wind, the wind, the ruach. In Hebrew, wind is breath. The wind is the breath of God. It's the spirit of God. When we're in the desert, the wind is blowing. Do not think that it's of a a negative value. The wind is his presence. The wind blows where there's not man-made things is what I'm saying. If you're in a city with high skyscrapers and buildings, all of those man-made things keep the wind out. But in the desert, there's nothing there but the wind. The barrenness brings the Spirit of God. So are you waiting for something? The answer in the waiting is to remember... That you are a desert people. Remember that you're a desert people. And remember that little boy who started playing the drum. Remember that man who started to play the guitar, the oud. And the woman who played the violin. And remember that person who stood up and declared the song of Moses in the barrenness. It's in the desert place, in the time of waiting, where we praise God until the spirit of worship comes. And then we worship God until the glory comes, when His fire and His cloud come into our midst. Because in the desert, that is the only way you're going to get provision. So I'm telling you, if you are waiting, praise the Lord. In your waiting. Worship the Lord in the waiting. And stand in his presence. Call forth. Call forth into your situation. The pillar of fire to guide you by night. And the cloud to be there during the day. Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening. But I'm asking right now for the fire of God to fall in my life to guide me. Be like the children of Israel that stand still and sees the salvation of the Lord. Praise, worship, engage the presence in the waiting period. For Moses wrote the song of Moses. And I'm telling you that there are songs of praises that are to be written in this place. 
The song of Moses is Moses telling what the Lord has done for them. I believe that we in our waiting process need to write the songs. Song of the Fishers. It's just a declaration of body ailments that the Lord provided. Songs of Joshua be written. The songs of Caitlin be written. The songs of Reuben be written. The songs of Melissa be written. The song of the Samuels be written. Where the Lord provided. Father, I ask right now that we would remember that we are a desert people. Yes, you brought us into a place of abundance, but we do not want to miss out on the lessons that you taught us during those dry times to rely upon you. Father, I pray that there are people here that are waiting for things, that they would, in fact, give you praise and give you glory as each day they see slowly, slowly the ripening of the harvest in their life. Lord, I pray right now that people would just get a spirit of praise and worship in their life. That they would declare to the problems of life, my God is here. My God is taking care of this. It is an opportunity not for me to complain. It's an opportunity for me to rely even more on my Father. Father, we pray forth a reliance right now. Reliance in spirit. A reliance to come to you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We invite you, O God. We invite the cloud and the fire in this place. We invite the cloud and the fire of God in this place. We invite the holy wind of God in this place. To show us, Lord, to show us, Lord, that you are the provider, that you will bring forth Pentecost. But Lord, that you will also provide in the waiting right now. Father, I pray right now that spirits will be stirred up. Stirred up right now, Lord God, that in the waiting process, that they will wait in the kavod. They will wait, wait in the shekinah, the presence of you, O oh God. Spirit of praise and worship and thanksgiving would be released in their hearts, O oh God. If you are waiting for something and you want prayer, I want you to come down. But I'm going to be honest. I don't know if, if I'm going to be praying or us as a prayer team will be praying that the provision just happens. I, I, I believe that it will. But I feel right now that there is a spirit to pray into your ability 
to come into the throne room of God despite the circumstances. To be able to wait in His glory, in His presence. That during this waiting time, there would be such a release of Holy Spirit fire inside of it. That's what I feel the Spirit of the Lord is doing right now. So, as the worship team continues and people go down to the cafe, whatever you guys do, I want right now to be, be people who, you're waiting on financial provision to come on down. And we're going to pray that you have the ability to wait in His presence. Awesome, we've got one person in this church that is waiting for financial Hey, man. Hey, that's awesome. God, you are awesome that you have provided for every single person in this church except for one. We thank you and glory in, your, in, in that. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm telling you, you stay in a place of worship. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is about to fall in this place. I am telling you, people, do not take this moment for granted. The Holy Ghost is about to fall in power and in might in this place. Because we wait and we tarry. And we don't just say, I gotta go get a donut right now. I gotta get into the presence of God right now.